This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This is Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live and sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, bringing you the latest insight into everything to do with Newcastle United. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, or most podcast providers. We'll start with you, Mark. We'll get out of the way. Um, I know people like to discuss the coverage of the Chronicle and the reasons why we do things and the reasons why we don't. Um, if you follow Mark on Twitter, you'll know that he's welcome and he, he's honest and he's open to the debate. Um, and I suppose... One of the things that really gets people, people always ask about is the takeover and why we, we publish takeover rumours, takeover links. Can you give an insight into your, our editorial decision? Um, well, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's one of the big, the big things that people, uh, people kind of look for, isn't it? Because, they, you know, there's, it, it's essentially, I think, what everybody wants to see is a new owner, possibly. Oh, well, not everybody, but I'm sure most people want to see a new owner. So there's a huge amount of interest out there now. I think, well, I totally understand why people are frustrated because a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that's that, that's been promised doesn't actually uh, doesn't actually come off. We know we know obviously what happened in the summer, but um, from from our perspective, I think, and I'm sure Birdie will say the same thing from from the mirror as well. Like you you hear so much. There's probably about 10, 10 times the amount of things that we could write that we that we have written because. People make promises, people say things, you know, there's, there's possibly intermediaries getting involved with us as well. And, and, and it's, it's a real balancing act between whether you just dismiss it out of hand or whether you, you sort of carry it and maybe couch it in the language that we do sometimes, which is that, look, you know, this is what people are saying, we don't know whether there's any truth in it. And we know that people have a massive interest in, in, in takeover rumours and things. I think, I think the problem that we have to balance sometimes is that um, there's such a lot of cynicism out there at the moment that um, it's very difficult to, um, to kind of write something now without people sort of saying, oh, look, it's all rubbish, it's all, it's all, it's all absolute, absolute uh, garbage. So you haven't seen anything for a while, I think, which is fair enough to say. We, we're certainly not pushing things where there aren't any things to be talked about, but quite often it's other outlets mentioning things and we'll sort of write something with this is what we know about it and we end up getting the stick because why are you writing about it? But we're like... Look, everybody's talking about this rumour, but it is something that I think, you know, is, is, is really hard to, to sort of justify sometimes that, you know, there's so much stuff out there about it um, and there has been over the last few years and it hasn't happened. But I think, you know, I can count, you know, I think there's been three or four occasions where um, in the last two years where people within the club have been convinced that it's either going to be sold or that a serious offer's coming in. Um, and those people have said themselves that this is coming in. So it's, it, I, I mean, I hate doing takeover stories because the truth and the sort of, the, the truth is sometimes stranger than, uh, you know, stranger than the fiction of it. You know, the, the amount of times people have said things. I mean, just, just last week, in fact, just today, I've been told that, um, you know, that there's the, one of the people who, who we, we have read about, one of those people um, was convinced six months ago that this deal was going to go through and was saying, oh, something at the last minute 
came in to break it down and I was t- talking to Kieran about it and he, we, all, we both just went, it's always something at the last minute, isn't it? It's always, oh, something fell through. But unfortunately, you know, when you're getting credible people telling you these things, um, you, you, you kind of have to deal with it with a bit of credence, but I think we're all getting fed up with it at the moment. And we, I think we all get to the point now, don't we, where we, um, you know, we just want it to happen or not. Let's talk about uh, the summer takeover. Uh, Nonsense, I that word. What happened? What happened with the Binzaid group? Which one? You? Yeah, well, let's <laughs> go, we'll, we'll focus on the Binzaid group because they were overly confident. Yeah. I mean, they pretty much said the flags were going to be flying, you know, and well, they happened? actually approached us um, with all these documents saying this is what we're going to do, this is where the stage is. Um, so if you see a written document, then you would be stupid not to report it, but then you put it in Newcastle, Newcastle aren't saying anything which isn't helpful at all. Um, so after that, I think Mike Ashley basically said, well, if these people are gonna put themselves out there, then I, you know, I'm gonna let them sink or swim here. And basically they sunk because they didn't have the money ultimately, or they didn't have enough money to persuade him to, to park company with the club. Um, very difficult. I think it's gonna take a, sadly, it's gonna take a huge fee um, to get Mike Ashley out of the club basically. And I'm, you know, at the minute, it does feel that we are stuck with this regime. Is it willing to settle? I mean, I'm, I'm fairly sick of doing takeover stories well, but if you are a serious person who can take Newcastle United forward, uh, and you're a businessman who's got 300 million, 320 million, whatever he wants, it's around about that figure, um, you're not going to be shouting about it like you did in the summer to the initially to the sun and then to the, to you guys and you're not going to do that if you if you're a serious buyer who's got a plan for a football club you go to Mike Ashley you negotiate with him in secret and then you do a deal and we find out about it before anyone knows about it so all this I mean Stavely came in she caught the council she caught she was at, she was in the in the stand she was doing the big show before she'd even got the money together and the people who do people who go for that kind of publicity before they've done a deal uh, are generally fools and, and, and are not to be trusted. The other big question to be asked is, if a takeover does happen, I'll be, I'll be disappointed if, if the fan base wasn't immediately sceptical and, and, and asking difficult questions, which we will all do, because if they come in and they're scraping the money together and if they've only got three million to buy a club and then they suddenly are under pressure and they're making big promises in the transfer market and they go out and borrow money on the club's tab, to spend on transfers and have a real go, but it's money that's being borrowed that the club can't afford, then the club is, a da- is in big danger then of doing what Everton have done, spending 200 million, ending up fourth bottom and having nothing to show for it and not being progressed um, at all. So there are, there are some difficult questions. If there is a new owner, I would hope if he sells, he'll sell it to someone serious who can take the club forward, who's got more than 300 million of their own money um, and don't, mo- don't, don't then come in and then the new owners shouldn't be coming in and mortgaging the club uh, and taking massive financial gambles because we'll end up in the shit like, New- like Sunderland have, who, who spent way beyond their means for years. Um, that's what I would like to see from a takeover. If it happens, it's got to be someone extremely rich um, who aren't going to mortgage the future and take stupid gambles with like, the club's finances. Like Birdie says, you're not going to shout from the rooftops until the deal is signed. You're probably also not going to put a brochure together, essentially begging for money from investors and saying like this is this is the proposition we're putting together come and come and invest yes we're on to peter kenyon now and we are on to peter <laughs> kenyon yes i mean if that letter last christmas was 
was strange enough. I think the brochure uh, caught a few people by surprise. I, I, I think with Kenyon, it goes back to 2009. He left Chelsea and he said he felt he had one last challenge in him and he talked amongst friends that Newcastle could beat that. And on one hand, that shows you, right, he has thought about this for a long time, but on the other, it's like, well, it's taking you this long to, to get to the stage where you're trying to raise money and that's an obvious red flag. Um, but... I think for Mike Ashley, he's, he's made a lot of interesting statements over the years, but what he said last summer, like Simon alluded to, you know, it's going to happen before the media know about it. And I think if you stick to that uh, rule of thumb, it keeps you sane uh, because takeovers every four months, you're hearing something and it can just drive you to distraction. So I think Ashley had a point with that. That's one of the few times I think you could take what he said with true face. Um, but it's just one of those things that as long as he's here, that's going to be in the background. And I guess, Sean, with Newcastle going so well, part of the issue in previous years has been, as with Stavely, you know, there was that worry about relegation, so there was a reported close and the deal of Newcastle go down, we don't pay as much. But say if Newcastle are 10th, come the new year, come the end of the January transfer, for instance, a couple of points off Europe, for example, they were in a good position. But does that make the more attractive to a buyer, but does that also give Mike Ashley the chance to say, well, actually, I want 380 million, I want 400 million for the club? Both, I would say. And in, in, in terms of, if you're gonna, gonna get a, a buyer in before the January transfer window, probably not. You're gonna get in after the January transfer window. Both those instances, it would depend on where Newcastle are in the league and how close they are to that 40 point mark. At the minute, it looks good, the seven points clear relegation. But as we've seen, it can flip quite easily the other way. Newcastle have had two good wins, but they've been hard-fought wins. They could, they could quite easily have not won those games and been a bit more of a perilous position. The, the league is so tight this year. I think until they get close to or surpass that 40-point mark, you can't say with any sort of certainty that Newcastle are going to survive. Um, and until they reach that point, I don't think you know they are going to be any more attractive to, to a prospective buyer because until they get that point, their Premier League status isn't preserved. And it's as simple as that. Uh, Mark, we've got a question from Rob who asks, is fan ownership a viable option for Newcastle United in the long term? And if you think so, what is the biggest block to achieving this? Well, I mean, something happening tomorrow, isn't there, that might, um, that might potentially open the way for some form of fan representation. I think you'd look at all the manifestos of all the, all the political parties. I think, there's, you know, I think the Labour Party talked about putting fan representation on the board, which is obviously... A slightly different thing um, but I think in terms of fan ownership you have to say at the moment it's it, it's a, a pipe dream for the Premier League because of such because there's so much money involved in uh, involved in Premier League football clubs I don't think it's it's viable at the moment I think even you're seeing if you go down to AFC Wimbledon at the moment even you know, they're, they're buying a new stadium and they're, they're entirely fan owned but they're they're struggling to raise the money to, to renovate that stadium for 10 million. And they're now looking at potentially selling a stake in their club. Because football's such a big business now that how would you raise the money to A, buy, um, buy the owner out, and then B, actually fund transfers moving forward? I mean, at the moment, Newcastle are potentially in a. Uh, they, they've made big, a big play about the fact that they're in a situation where they'll always, because the TV money is, it, is as it is they will always be in a situation, as long as they've got the cost base that they have at the moment, where they'll always have about 40, 50 million to spend on TV money. But the reason that you need a, a rich benefactor is because obviously if they get relegated or if they want to 
you know, if they if they if, if the TV deal doesn't doesn't it goes away and it's obviously only two three years, then where does the money come from? And I think the problem with fan ownership is it's it's something that I would love to see, um, but I don't think it, at the moment you'd be able to raise the three hundred million to buy to buy it off the club. But fan representation on the board, which is I think something that the Premier League should be insisting on, um, and, and should be and should be actually pushing through. Is, is absolutely something that I think is realistic and probably will come in time, I think. But then, you know, it's, 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 whether, it's how effective that is moving forward. But I think fan ownership at the moment just feels like it's, it's a long way away. I mean, Lee, we think the price is somewhere between 300 and 350 million. But considering the improvements, which I guess we all say are needed, that's in terms of the training ground, investing in the academy, um, is that a fair price? Because... Sir Jim Ratcliffe said he looked at Newcastle United. He then went out and bought Nice for, I think it was 90 million, 95 million. They have a, an absolutely fantastic training ground, so he doesn't have to do anything there. Um, and arguably, you could spend a lot less buying in players to qualify for the Champions League in France than you can just to get in the top 10 in the Premier League. So, is it a fair price when you can go out and buy a club like that? I, th- I mean, based on what the general feeling of the panel is. is you have to dismiss Jim Ratcliffe as well because he can't come out and say that and then be taken seriously. But for me, I think the best chance of Mike Ashley going would be Newcastle getting relegated and then not being able to get back into the Premier League because it becomes a less attractive proposition to him then and he's not going to get anywhere near that. Um, but do you, do you want to end up like where Sunderland are at the moment? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's terrifying, really that you suddenly just slip off the radar altogether. Um, it's a really awkward one, but it's, for me, it's going to take one of the, the richest people in the world to take it off his hands, because he, he wants it every way, doesn't he? He wants the 350 million plus. He wants the sponsorship um, deal going on. He probably want, he's probably got a few other little things tied into contracts that we, we don't know about. So it's going to be very difficult, but it, it could, be, um, could be beyond 350 million, unfortunately. <laughs> And then you, then you um, get a new owner. For instance, Saudi Arabia are getting into sport now. Um, loads of money. You get a Saudi Arabian government own, owning it or one of, their, one of their royal family. Is that as good as Mike Ashley? Is it better? Is it a step forward that they've got lots of money? But then you, we're going to pick over their history of, of human rights in there. So no matter which rich person tries to buy this off, man, off Mike Ashley, there will, be a, there will be a downside. There will be issues which people will have you know have problems with so there's not this is there going to be a an owner which can make everyone happy out there i'm not sure there is do you think you and if like we said then you cast on a positive position or they finish say they finish in the top 10 this season mike ashley might have a change of heart rather than and just say right, well actually you know what a little bit of a bit more investment and we, we you know we can break into that europa league spot what does history tell us i guess i suppose what what you would say in the summer from the club's point of view they feel they have invested i know you look at the net spend it's not great is it but they feel you know they've went out and spent 40 million on a striker which uh, not too many clubs can do but equally is that a sustainable model going forward you know buying these players 25 and under hoping they appreciate hoping they make it and then inevitably selling them on for the profit you know you look at joel linton it's it's like a gambling ship isn't it they're convinced that he will go on to be a top centre forward in his own right and potentially then you can sell him on. You know, they're giving six-year contracts out to players again, 
it is a bit of history repeating itself and I think that suits Ashley in a way, that setup and obviously it went against what, what Rafa Benitez wanted to do, you know, and I think there's an element of that with Steve Bruce. I think if he had his way with the kind of players he wants to bring in, I don't think he necessarily would be looking at 25 and under each time. So that's the interesting subplot going forward. How do you marry both both philosophies? I think what's, I think what's interesting and, and uh, I, I, people don't kind of recognise the fact that I think the big thing at the moment that we're still paying for a little bit is the relegation in 2015 when Newcastle was set up then. I remember having a conversation with Graham Carr in the summer when they went out and signed Wijnaldum, Mitrovic and, and Bemba and he said, we're going we're gonna to go for it. We're going to go for it this summer. This was before they signed the players. We're going to go for it this summer, he said. Because his reasoning was, he said, that the, in, inside the club, Ashley was saying, you, the club has to generate its own funds. So the austerity of the five or six years before, he was like, look, the reason that has all happened was because they needed to get back on an even keel so that that summer they would suddenly have money to, to generate. And he's like, it, it's not money that has to be put in because he was like, the, the, the clubs kind of can wipe its own nose, I think was their phrase, wasn't it? And, and th therefore they had that money then to invest. So if they'd have stayed up that year, they'd had all the Premier League money again, they wouldn't have had to sell the players that they sold, or if they did sell them, it would be reinvested into the team rather than what they've ended up having to do, which was invest a whole load more money to get themselves out of the Premier League. And then for Rafa's two years, they were back to austerity. And then and if you, we spoke to Lee Charnley after this set of accounts, and he said, we're out of the austerity period again because we've kind of covered those those debts that we include in the, in the championship. So the club's, the club's point of view now is, look, this is our financial situation now. As long as we're in the Premier League, we'll have 50 million to spend on transfer fees, Premier League levies, and I think it's kind of agent fees as well. And then on top of that, anything that we earn through sales. So their point of view would be that actually they're in a stronger position now than they were in the two years under Rafa. Rafa was Rafa just didn't buy that at all, and he said the money's there, the money's there, and that's where all the all the the, the beef came from there because he was frustrated that they weren't investing, that their owner wouldn't put money in, that he wouldn't advance them cash to strike while the iron's hot because he was like there's an opportunity to really push on there, and and it, it really is whether you kind of look at the finances and say do they come first or does the football come first, and Rafa would say football comes first, you'll make your money back. Just backers, you'll make your money back, and the club are the club are entirely cautious. But if they go down, the problem is, then they're right back to austerity. And in fact, this time, had they gone down in either of the years under Rafa, they wouldn't have put any money back in because Charlie's viewpoint was it could have been such a bloodbath if we hadn't have come back up um, that we just it would have been we would have been in huge amounts of debt and stuff. So. Staying in the Premier League is so important to them every year because it, it, it will mean that they can keep investing. That's what the club tell us anyway. You know, obviously, you know, people, I know a lot of people here will be cynical about that, but that's what the club tell us. That's their business model now. If we stay up, we'll have another 50 million to go at it. They'll probably try and sign Jared Bowen in the summer, play like that, maybe sell somebody and bring, and bring somebody else in. But they're going to try and sign two or three players every summer rather than the seven or eight which they've, they've done before that's their supposed business model anyway we'll see how that plays out well we'll head into the the january transfer window now um sean mark mentions there jared bowen someone that newcastle likes someone that steve bruce really likes but where do you see him fitting into that newcastle united side if everyone is actually fully fit 
I think he's another op option to armor on Sam Maximan. I think now you're seeing that Sam Maximan's injured for his, I think it's confirmed for a month today. Um, so he'll be missing at least six games. The lack of alternatives Newcastle have there is, is alarming in terms of there's, there's not really anyone that's a light for light replacement. Atsu may come in. Um, is he going to be the same kind of expressive player going forward as Sam Maximan? No. Um, he's, he's good tactically, he's good to bring on when you when you want to conserve a lead, I think. I think he's a good squad player, he's proven that. Um, but, you know, Jared Bowen, yes, it's been in the Championship, but if you look at his record over the last three seasons, it's been absolutely phenomenal in terms of goals and assists. Um, He'll be the kind of player you'd hope that if he steps at the Premier League level, can carry on that, carry that form into the Premier League and often you cast a bit more of a goal-scoring threat. So, you know, because as, as good as Sam Maximan's been, and I think the impact he's made since he's come back, coming to the team from the Man United game onwards, he's revitalised re re Newcastle's season, to be honest. Um, you know, the goals haven't been there, but he's the one player that lifts bums off seats at St James's Park. He's the one player that gets everyone excited. I think he gives the whole place a lift. Similarly of Almiron, he's had a tough time in front of goal, but his energy and his work rate, I think, is, is, is hard to kind of repeat it anywhere else in the Newcastle United squad. Jared Bowden isn't necessarily going to bring that energy, but he will bring that attack and threat, and I think... That is certainly an area Newcastle need to improve on in terms of depth. Uh, Lee, I mean, I think everyone would probably agree, and you can show up hands. Is a, a goal scorer what we need? Is a striker where you think we need to, uh, you know, strengthen in the January window? Hands up, yeah. I mean, I take it you probably agree with that. And is there, is there anyone that you think could do the job? Well, I think first and foremost, the bluffing a bit with Dwight Gale saying he's not for sale because I think there could be almost attracting, you know, whipping up interest in him because if there's a championship club out there who needs to, you know, squeeze in that playoff spot or the automatics, then uh, he's the man for the championship and he is he's a championship striker in my eyes. Um, but realistically, where, they, where are they looking to strengthen? I think they're looking to strengthen actually in midfield. They're looking for more legs in midfield, even though you've got people like the two Longstaff uh, brothers there as well. They're looking for even more than that. Steve Bruce is concerned about the lack of energy in the team. Um, so that's where they are looking. But if you do see a Dwight Gale go or someone comes in and ends Muto's nightmare on Tyneside, then um, you could see another striker coming then. But you know, when you're paid £40 million for a striker, they've got to try and get the best of them eventually, as, lot, as painful as that may be. I mean, Lee's mentioned there Muto. Uh, we mentioned selling on others. There are quite a few there on big contracts, obviously, that aren't even in the squad, Simon. So, I mean, I, I saw, uh, I think it was Luke Edwards of The Telegraph, suggest that they might even have their contracts, uh, you know, paid off to, to move them off the wage bill. And we're talking Jack Corbach, Henri Sauer. I mean, how would you get rid of those? Well, if you look at the squad now, there is a huge scope for Steve Bruce to change it. I mean, there's seven, seven people out of contract. Um, there's others like Muto who are not doing, the, not doing the job. The clubs always believe that there's a right time to sell someone. So, you know, they've got Willems in when Matt Ritchie comes back and has a, has a good, has a good gets his fitness back. Will, will they look to cash in on him? There are people that they, they, they want to move on very at the right time to get, to keep the cash flowing in so they can reinvest in the summer. And it is, I mean, it's a massive job now for Bruce. When you look at the out of contract players, I don't think everyone's going to get a contract who, who's out of, out of contract in the summer. So there's scope for a big change around if to Bruce, for Bruce to put a stamp on the, on the squad. Just before we open the, uh, it up to the floor, question for each one of you, just in a sentence, it comes from Joe. Um, 
Kieran, if you could say one thing to a prospective owner, what would you say? I'd get the highlights or even just the full game of the Newcastle-Liverpool game last season where I think you saw the club at its best. You saw a team fighting for the badge, that old cliche. The atmosphere was electric, Saturday night under the lights. I think that was the perfect kind of brochure to go back to that for any prospective buyer. Um, I think if you watch that, you see what Newcastle United's all about. Mark? Potential. Get it right up here and you'll, uh, you'll be a legend. There you go, Sean. Similar potential. You look back to the days of Kevin Keegan and Savoy Robson and how close Newcastle came to winning stuff. And I think if you get if you get it right here, yeah, it's utopia. Gibbo, what would you say to a potential owner? <laughs> Please, as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, I'd probably just say go watch the film, go with a few cans, and you'll see exactly what it's what it's all about. You know, I mean, it's not that. It's not that far away from the truth, is it? You know what I mean? It is the, the dream, so go for that. Sound. That's goal two, though. Goal two, not bad, actually. Win, it, win a trophy and make history. That's your opportunity. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. It's sponsored by Hodgson Motor Group, the Northeast number one family-owned Toyota, Mazda and Suzuki dealership group. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts from. Does anybody want to ask a question? If you stick your hands up, we will come round with the mic. Come on, don't be shy. We don't. Anybody? Come on, where we are? One in the corner. We've got two. Just going to get the mic over. That's good. That's what we like to see. All right, that's the first one over there. Yeah, Tony? Uh, just a quick one in terms of obviously the position in the league and everything else. Who, realistically, strike force wise, would you recommend to bring in? We'll talk about a new strike force and whatever else, but. We're 10th in the league, that's kind of justified at the club standings at the minute, so who would be the ideal striker that would bring the goals? Uh, Mark? Oh, I knew you were going to come to me first. <laughs> I, have no, I, 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 I think you're looking at, you're looking at the, around the leagues at the moment and there's not, there's not, a, heck of a, lot of, not a heck of a lot out there. I think they were mentioned, the, the lad at uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, Joseph Martinez was mentioned. He's prolific, but it's another gamble, isn't it? I think anything you do in January... Is, is a bit of a, is a bit of a gamble, isn't it? Anything you, anything you're looking at in January is a bit, little bit of a gamble. I, I think they'll look, I think they'll look at loans in January. I think that's a possibility. Salmon um, one done back from China. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it. You know, the problem with the strike force thing is, like Lee said, they'll have to sell Gale in order to bring anybody in because um, they'll they'll go with what they've got at the moment. <coughs> and and, it, and I think they'll probably they'll probably keep Carroll for another season. Um. Well, actually, well don't, don't ask me, because I mean, when I'm not watching Newcastle, I watch Sunderland and Middlesbrough, and I've not seen anything there that you want to sign, so... So we don't want Will Grigg in? <laughs> no. No, no. Um, we got, yeah, we'll... Yeah, so just behind you with the mic there. Simon, that's a question. Oh, dear. Simon, that's a question. You can. Martin Samuels got an interview with Mike Ashley. Uh-huh. He never asked any decent question. Can you tell us why you couldn't do the Why couldn't I? Well, we tried many times. Uh, we tried in the stand at Mallorca in a pre-season game um, where we got sort of into a conversation and then thought we'll best identify ourselves as a journalist here. And then Lambias stepped in um, and we were ushered away. Um, and the press officer at the time got an almighty bollocking for letting us anywhere near um, 
the Mike Ashley, and then we've um, myself and George Corkin. We bought shares in Sports Direct one year um, and went to the Sports Direct meeting uh, to try and uh, I got my trainers, yeah, and a nice big mug. Um, uh, so we tried that, but we were scuppered a bit because no, no, one the first year we went to the Sports Direct meeting without shares and thought we've got him here. He was just like there, went in front of us, and there was only about five shareholders there. Um, and then they made a rule that you couldn't ask any questions of the board if you didn't have shares. So, all right then. Uh, went back and bought shares the next year. Um, I bought too many, actually, and made a massive loss on them. Um, <laughs> seriously, about 300 quid um, when they dipped. So the next year, I went back with shares, and they made the same announcement, thinking they were really clever. You can't ask questions if you're not shareholders. You've got to have a yellow card. Which is, I wish it was a red one, actually. But um, so we actually held our red card, yellow cards up and said, we have got shares. So we asked the question of Mike Ashley um, about the relationship between Newcastle and Sports Direct and what, what the club got out of it, what he, what, the, what he paid the club, all that kind of thing. Um, the questions that you want answering. And the, be the best, it was, it, was a, it, it was a good moment because we were waiting for his, his chief executive to step in or one of, the, one of his mates on the top table, one of the boards. They could easily have stepped in and said, oh, Mike, I'll take this one, and would have had nothing from the meeting. But they all just sort of stood there and went, oh, go on then, Mike, answer that one. Um, and he just twiddled his thumbs and kind of panicked. When we counted the seconds on the tape, it was like a minute and a half, and he was sitting there. And then he finally came back, and, and we, we did, this, you know, did a spread in it in the back page the next day. He answered a couple of questions, and that's the closest we've got to, to Mike Ashley. It would be great if he would sit down and properly answer questions we've not we've not got that far yet have we no, he's we've he's, he's not he's had one he's had, he's had henry winter from the telegraph or tele times in the boardroom one day um because he swam across the time and but there was no re it wasn't an interview opportunity so he's we have tried so people say why haven't you tried we have tried and we've gone to lengths putting our own money in the yeah. into the and stock even, market so <laughs> even that inglorious period sorry sorry even that inglorious period where the mirror had 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 the act had the access which is over now. Yes. They, they, they never they, they, they never put no. that on the table, did they? they never no, there said was no. We were we were. You'll hear me for it again. Don't raise this again. But preferred media partners because Mike Ashley took his advertising from the Sun for Sports Direct, his big advertising account, six figures to the to the Mirror, and, he, and to do that we were we became. The Mirror became and I argued against this behind the scenes a lot, but commercially you can't argue against. Mike Ashley's Sports Direct putting lots of money into the, into the mirror for advertising. Um, and we became preferred media partners. But even then, it wasn't like, come and interview Mike Ashley. We got a player. We got the same rights as the broadcasters, basically, the Rage Newcastle, get a player every week. We got, a, we got to interview a player every week. So um, even to the extent of being a preferred media partner, we were, we were not granted that you know, access to ask questions. We have been to see Lee Charnley pretty much every year. I mean, Lee's seen him this week, but we usually get invited in for the accounts and we can ask relevant questions for them. We do big pieces and blogs. And, but yeah, Mike's not put himself on the line in front of, in front of any of us. And we could ask, we could... We could like I say, right? He's talked that Mike... Uh, Martin Samuel from the Mail. Martin Samuels, yeah. right? But Martin Samuels has never asked the questions we want yeah, well, people get interviews for different ways, in different ways, and Martin Samuel in his column has quite frequently, you'll have noticed, stood up for Mike Ashley's business model and the way he runs the club and says, and has made, made certain arguments, certain, you know, half-decent arguments for why Mike Ashley 
has, has not been the worst owner in the, in, in the world and that he's put 300 million of his own money at Newcastle. He's not buying it by borrowing the money and, and buying it with the, you know, filling the interest so that he's put his own money into it. So Martin Samuel's got that interview, I'm pretty sure, because yeah. he'd done and positive stuff in his column about him. And I think, I think the, the, it was a very deliberate decision to go to Martin Samuel. I think he's, he's friendly with him, isn't he? From, from, from a, you know, that, that relationship's been built up for a while. Because that interview was meant for a national audience. It wasn't meant for you guys, it wasn't meant for us. Because if it was, the questions would have been about things that actually matter to Newcastle fans. There would have been things about, you know, look, we could have maybe got some answers about what, what the hell's happened with Strawberry Place, all that kind of thing. But it wasn't intended for that. And I think there was an element of, because I had a few mates actually who, who texted me about it, said, oh, have you seen this? Ashley doesn't seem like, you know, he seems like, he seems all right from this. And that was the intention, was to get your average fan who's not a Newcastle United fan to think, Actually, he's all right. Rafa was in the wrong there. And, there were, and, and that, that was my impression of it because I felt that if, if it had been about a new, if it had been with the Newcastle United uh, fans or it had been with Newcastle United journalists, it would have been different questions. I'm not saying we would have got anything more out of him because he maybe would have wanted to do it some way, but the questions would have been different and it would have been presented differently. I mean, there was some stuff in there, wasn't there? Hey, look, it was a good, it was a good story. Martin Sam's absolutely brilliant. But there was all the stuff in there about oh, he gets genuinely excited, he's a football romantic and all that, and it's like, come on, we know here, he's cold, hard logic, it's not about romance with Mike Ashley. He might tell them that's what it's about, but we've been, we're too long in the tooth up here to know it's not about romance with Mike Ashley at Newcastle United anymore. Uh, another question, we had a couple of hands over on the left-hand side here. Um, Emily will just bring the mic over there. Guys, we're... We need a striker. Uh, we need someone who can put the goals in the back of the net. Um, you mentioned Dwight York, uh, Dwight Gale. Um, what about <laughs> Mitrovic? Should we go back for him? I mean, it would, it would be. An, I mean, we. It was discussed. Uh, I think it was it last year where we kind of said would have Mitrovic have been better suited than maybe I think when Rondon first started didn't go perfectly. I mean, but that's never going to happen, is he? He's not a Premier League striker, or is he? Uh, he sees a bit of unfinished business at Newcastle United. He loved it here. I, I don't know whether Bruce, whether Bruce would, would play him a bit more than, uh, than Rafa did. I think that was just a case of Rafa didn't rate him at all. Hey, look, I mean, you know, he had his critics when he was here, but if you look at the two Premier League seasons he's had, he's got nine goals in a team that got relegated, 11 goals in a team that got relegated. He was all right, he played at the World Cup. He was all right. It was just he didn't fit Rafa. There was no hard feelings. He just didn't fit Rafa. I think he probably cost more than they sold him for now, so they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's younger, isn't he? I suppose the profile. Yeah, yeah. I don't and know. Any other questions? Right, hands. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep it going from what you've just said there. So, I think Lee mentioned earlier on the night that uh, Mike Ashley was prepared to put 20 million extra in to like Rafa's kitty to buy Joel Linton for 40 million. Like, there must be a lot of value in Joel Linton that we are not seeing. We could have just had Rondon for 16 million, and I'll tell you what, we wouldn't lose as much money as what we're going to want Joel Linton. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I think he's shelled out that, all that money is because someone's told him that 
Joe Linton eventually is going to be worth double, maybe, you know, so 100 that? million. That's what he's been told. Somebody's had a lot of faith in him somewhere for him to put that amount of money over. Because let's be honest, he hasn't done it before. So, yeah, it's not looking good at the minute, is it? But hopefully um, he can at least have a shot on target. In the so, so does Mike Ashley think he's going to get some money out of Joe Linton? Yeah, I think that's what he's has been, he already got money out of I think that's team? what someone's told him. He's, get, he's got people advising him, but... Is he a good judge of character? He's had Joe Kinnear at the club twice, so I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you uh, come to your own conclusion on that. But look, at the minute, it, it's looking like Rafa Benitez was right. Um, it's, it's now up to him to go out and prove him wrong. To be honest, I'll tell you what I think you all let us fans down. You don't go into the finance side of what he's doing. Into the what, sorry? You don't go into the finance side of what right. he's doing with the club. Well, right. look, at the, look just behind here. Mash mm. Holdings. Mm. That's Mike Ashley's money. Mm. He, got, he got that out of the club. It's all been forgotten about, about how he's just got that money out of the club. Mm. That well, was part of what, like, you know, I, I don't like to big up John Hall in any kind of way because I mean, yeah, he got more money out of the club than anybody ever did. Yeah. But um, they did buy all that land. That was that was part of the club. Yeah. And look at it now. Yeah. Who's got that money? How much does he take out of the club? How much has he taken out of the club? Mm. And you should be investigating that. Well, yeah, it's yeah. Business yeah. Test. Isn't just the best sport. person to answer that as NUFC either, so. uh, I mean, to be fair, with Strawberry Place, um, it was on the front page quite a few times when the original deal happened. That was the uh, Nexus, I believe we worked with the, the trust as it was at the time. They alerted us to it, the, the trust, because they had contacts at Nexus, knew it was happening. And it went on the front page quite a few times uh, when it first came. And it only really then became, I think a lot of fans only, uh, have only become aware of it since the, sec the second time around when really it's almost been too, too late now. Um, but. Uh, uh, yeah, finance, I, I, agree, I agree on the finance things. It's the, the problem, I think, that what, what happens sometimes is the, the transparency there. And I think Chion War has mentioned this a few times. The, the financial transparency is incredibly difficult to drill, to drill down because, you know, we know how much now he's got out of that deal, but it wasn't until it was too late that we found out and that a lot of people protested about it. Now, we have, a, we have a problem, like we, we, do, we do do some investigation around that. We, we obviously got the MASH accounts and got stuff out of that as well. The problem that you have when you're making uh, assertions about deals and things like that is you have to be so tight on it because he is very litigious. Uh, you know, quite obviously, a lot of people are very litigious. We just have to be right on it. But I, you know, I agree that there is, there is scope for doing a bit more on that. And the Strawberry Place deal, I think, has surprised a lot of people because the fact that he's the fact that he's got money out of that deal and it doesn't look like a good deal for Newcastle United does it I, and you know and I think a lot of people are more aware of that than they were before but I remember when it first when we first put it on the front page it got very little interest um, and I think the trust were a little bit disappointed I mean we got we got threat, threatened by the club as it was then with withdrawing access because we put it on the front page and it was like they said look this is nothing it's it's really nothing it's a piece of land that's that doesn't really matter um but as we've seen you know it's it ended up being quite a big thing and that's the kind of questions that they, they you know that they they need to answer but the club bounced that back to big part big problem that we've got is the club will bounce questions like that and say it's mike ashley's business there 
So you need to go to Sports Direct to answer those questions. Sports Direct say, well, you know, they, do, they don't answer. They don't answer. So it's, it's difficult for us, but yeah, the, could we do more? Yeah, I agree. Um, we are doing stuff though as well. We are, like, I, I don't, it's not that we don't think that those things are important. We, we do, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really difficult. And you don't see, you don't see a lot of that football finance thing stuff, football finance stuff coming out until the, the accounts come out and it can be too late. And I think what we've seen with this draw replace thing is that has become a big issue when it's been too late. And um, I don't know, we have, to, we have to be more on it. Yeah, do you think the rebranding of Sports Direct next week has got anything to do with the 10,000 free season tickets? I, I've seen that mentioned, you know, I've seen that mentioned. It's, it's obviously bad for his brand, isn't it, if, if there's empty seats. Um, are they, are they going to change the Sports Direct into Fraser Group ads? I don't know, I've not seen any evidence of that yet. Um, but um, it doesn't look good for him, does it, when there's tens and tens of thousands. I mean, they've lost 10,000 um, fans, you know, in, in, the space of, in the space of however long. It doesn't look good on him. But, uh, and, and he does care, you know, that's, we've seen that he does care because they've, they've offered to the 10,000 fans. So it could do, you know, the problem is, like we said, trying to get a, 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 a call on what Mike Ashley's thinking is, you know, it, Unfortunately, this is where, that's what they need to do to get people back on, on, on site, to actually give some insight into what's going on with it.